Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Alfie, outwork your self-doubt. Why, out of every quote, that's what came to mind straight away? Really split into two parts. I think no matter how smooth the journey is going, how many wins you get, there is always going to be self-doubt. Alfie Robertson. From zero to over 100,000 followers on Instagram in just 100 days, inspiring millions with his health and wellness style content, he is pushing himself to level up daily and let me tell you, if you watch his content, it will inspire you to do the same. Um, recently, you've been blowing up on social media. Millions of views, hundreds of thousands of followers, like gaining so much traction online. Have you changed? So you've experienced it all. Travel, girls, all across the world. Talk to me about the phases of your life and more specifically the, the drinking and the partying phases. Is there any key takeaways from those phases that you think really valuable lessons? Oh, there's levels to this game and there really is. You know, the second you climb one mountain, it just gives you the ability to stand on top of that and look and see the next bigger peak that's just around the corner. Anything that you're running away from or that you don't want and there's some sort of pain there's one thing that I'm so fascinated by, and it's your ability to... Alfie, before the show, we, I got you to write down a quote for me, and you wrote as follows. Outwork your self-doubt. It's really interesting. We've heard this before. Um, Alex Amosi comes to mind straight away, but I'd love you to elaborate what that means to you and why out of every quote that's what came to mind straight away for sure i think the quote to me it's really split into two parts so there's the outwork which i think if you're going to build create or do anything in your own right anything that's yours it's going to take a lot of work so i like the idea of work being mentioned i then like how it flows into outwork your in that it's you versus you the whole way through you're the one that has to push, has to motivate yourself. You're the one that has to show up, get out of bed every morning and keep working on that dream. No one's going to believe in it more than yourself. And that ties nicely into the last part, which is your self-doubt. I think no matter how smooth the journey is going, how many wins you get, there is always going to be self-doubt. I think for me, 
now going into the space where I'm building something on my own, building a personal brand, really resonates with me that you have to outwork yourself doubt every single day. There's always going to be doubts. There's always going to be disbelief. You may think it's going to end tomorrow. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are faced with this. And I think you have to get up and the only way to get through it is to have that mentality that you're just going to keep working as hard as possible and going to outwork yourself, but also your self-doubt. I think I resonate with that so much as well. But the main thing there is obviously like our biggest enemy is ourself, right? Our mind, like the mind games that are constantly playing and going on inside of us is ridiculous. And that whole part about when Hormozzi says outwork your self-doubt, it's like, your biggest challenge in this journey is going to be you and the, and the voices that are inside your head. And it's almost like that noise inside your head strangles a lot of the other things that you're trying to, to do. It tells you what not to do, what it should do. It's almost like, it's like, it's like your best friend and your worst friend. Um, and it's an interesting one when, when you talk about that because you're yeah, tying in that ability to work really hard, but then equally push through those doubts and be able to like kind of like palm them off and move on to other things in your life um, is, is really important. I think what I'm so fascinated about you as well since we've met and it hasn't been too long, but there's one thing that I'm so fascinated by and it's your ability to like reward yourself with victories, your, your ability to celebrate. It's like not there in a sense. You, you are a master at being able to not ride the emotional roller coaster. And what I mean by that is like, you might get some insane results out of this world numbers and you'll just, and I'll be like, mate, that's unreal. And you'll, you'll just brush it off and be like, yeah, it's all right. And then you always say like, mate, it's just the start. And I feel like it's a very powerful headspace to be in. Um, I mean, it probably has its curses as well because you, you lack that sort of, um, you know, reward from the how far you've come. You maybe struggle to appreciate the, the gain in which you've made because you're so focused on how far you want to get to. But talk to me about your thoughts and what goes on in your mind when you, you know, have these massive numbers in business and get these insane results in, in so many areas of your life, but then you kind of delay that reward. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so it's definitely a double-edged blade or sword, I think. The driver for any entrepreneur, you've got to have some belief that you're destined for something greater. I think you've got to have that that self, you know, belief that you're there and, and you're going to go and do those things and have the ability to achieve them. But in the same vein, I think you also have something. So that's the pull. And then I think you also have the push. And what's really pushing you is probably you running away from the belief that if you don't do it, you're going to become nothing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a, it's a dangerous game because, as you said, you don't really get to look up, smell the roses, and celebrate mm. those wins sometimes. But I think for me and, and where I have aspirations to go, it's only really the beginning. Um, yeah. So although the numbers may be big compared to yesterday, I know it's all compared relative, to tomorrow, though, right? they're small. Yeah. So I think it's staying true to that mindset and, like, always climbing the mountain. There's always another hill. And there's levels, you know, yeah. Ramosi talks about this very well. There's levels to this game. Um, and there really is. You know, the second you climb one mountain, it just gives you the ability to stand on top of that and look and see the next bigger peak that's just around the corner. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like you've got such big goals. And then also when you meet people like mentors and people that have achieved that next level, 
you look at it and go, oh, I want that. So I'm nowhere near where I want to be yet. But then 12 months ago, you would have dreamed to be where you are now. And so it was so funny because I was in a, I was in a sales conference. I, I went to um, like a sales training. It was like over three days. It was like a $5,000 event and it was on the Gold Coast. And I went there and I was sitting in the VIP table at the front and I was going through a really tough time just mentally. I was you know, I was really blowing up on social media and I had all of this fo- these followers and audience, but I just felt like really lonely. And I was like, I had these big goals that I wanted to achieve and I just didn't really appreciate how far I'd came. And he wrote, he got us to do some goal setting on day one. And what he said was, write down all the things that you're proud of that you've done. And I was sitting there and I was struggling. I was struggling so hard to write one thing on my page about what I was proud of and what I'm like happy that I've achieved. And I struggled. And then at the end he, he, he said, he said, hands up if you struggled writing anything down. And I put my hand up and he's like, what, what do you think it is? And I said, I just think I have such big goals and ambitions and things I want to achieve. And I may have achieved a lot so far, but in my eyes, I'm nowhere near I want to be. And he drew this diagram on the whiteboard in front of the few hundred people that were there. And he had this, this drawing where he had, he had like the gain and then you were here and then he had the gap above. And he's like, the gains, how far you've come, the gaps, how far you are to where you need to be and where you want to be. And he's like, sometimes you have these hurdles along the road that really test you, but a massive way to help slingshot you forward is by appreciating the gain and how far you've come to give you that confidence that you're capable of, of achieving the gap. Do you ever reflect on how far you've come and use, not, not as a tool for procrastination, but use that to slingshot you forward at all? Uh, no, I think I've always had like quite a high belief in my ability and that's why I don't really procrastinate for tasks. Mm-hmm. Procrastination is really the belief that, you know, a task is too tiresome or the, the effort is too great and the perceived reward is so far away or so delayed that you end up delaying the task because it just feels too much. Whereas I find I don't really procrastinate because mm-hmm. I've got a belief that I can do the task. Um, so I think it really starts there and that comes from like my approach to anything. If it's a big daunting task or it feels like that, just chunk it down into something that's more achievable. So working backwards from what's the end goal? When do I need to achieve it by? What's the smallest step that I can take today? And I think the power of small wins and that snowball effect, once you start, sort of helps you move towards that goal. Um, so no, I guess I haven't looked back. Um, I Seems feel like, to be working. Yeah, for, for now, I think there obviously will be stages and hurdles that I'll come across that are greater and do feel daunting and, and it feels too much. And I think those are the times to reflect and look back. But yeah, personally, I like living in the future. I don't like for living sure. in the past too much. Hundred percent. I think there's there's a lot of power in that, and and certainly not not living in the past, right? Like living in the past is is like geez, it's like carrying a heavy backpack, and you need to just take it off, um, so you can be left sort of free, I guess. And and yeah, certainly not not that. But what I do find sometimes is um, when you're hit, getting little hurdles in the road, potentially, um, you can start to question the journey you're on for me personally anyway and what I find power in is when I can look back and go hey like no this journey I didn't actually know this was what was going to happen but it fucking worked out so I'm in a little bit of a fork in the road now let's just go with what seems right 
go all in on that and then not look at the alternatives. And I found that there was, there was power in that in terms of just my, my confidence. Talk, talk to me if we go back, back a little bit into your upbringing, like you were born in the UK, moved to a small Island in New Zealand. Like, is there any memories from, you know, from the ages of zero to 10 that you have, uh, like at all, talk to me about like, if we go back to then and, and what that looked like for you. Yeah. I mean, fortunate childhood. Um, yeah. Moved from central London when I was about four turning five, uh, where she took a camper van across the state. So I was homeschooled for a little while and then arrived in New Zealand, small little island. So central London to mm. central Waiheke, we call it just off the coast of Auckland, about 35 minutes ferry ride. Big change for sure, but it was that decision from mum and dad who wanted you know a safer upbringing for my brother and I. Um, they wanted to be in a good environment, and we were really fortunate to have that. Um, the island's origins is actually quite hippie in orig- origination. So about 20, 30 years ago, used to all sort of be hippies because you could collect the doll there because uh, essentially you could live there, be searching for work, but you know there wasn't many job opportunities, so the government would pay out a lot of people um, mm. on the benefit sort of breeded this this hippie culture that over time has become more affluent as you know like any major city as it expands congestion increases and there's a larger commute into the city but because Waikiki is located on an island it's always going to be a 35 minute ferry into the city so over time um, the area became more affluent and it's just been interesting seeing that transition but I think really zero to ten for me was spent barefoot running around making bar carts um I didn't even know the days of the week in order <laughs> by the time I was like 14. Um, and the big transition was really going into the city and going to boarding school. Um, did a couple of years where I was catching the ferry every day into sort of the big mainland at the time it felt like, which was into Auckland. And then uh, for my last couple of years boarded as I was playing rugby more. But I think really like throughout my whole childhood, one of the best things my parents did for me was instill me with that belief and the support that... You know, if I, if I decided I wanted to play rugby or I wanted to play football, it was always, that door was always open and, and they gave me the opportunity to do so, but also instilled the confidence in me that I could go and do these things um, and sort of gave me the support in the right direction. And I think from that, it's definitely stayed with me in terms of having that self-belief and whatever I go into, I go in with that sort of optimism that it is going to work out. Um, I am going to be able to do it. And I think that comes down all the way as we we're talking before about procrastination or about tackling daunting, daunting tasks i think just knowing in the back of my head like yeah you know what like momentum's with me i can do it i've done it i've done hard things before i can do hard things again and i've had the success historically so i can apply myself um, to those tasks and see the same results mm. yeah i love that and talk to me a bit more about like obviously there's two main things that will push us pain and, and pleasure you know, some people are running away from pain and some people are chasing pleasures. Um, a lot of the time, a mixture of the both. Is there anything that you're running away from or that you don't want and there's some sort of pain that you're running away from or is the main driver pleasure? Um, I'm really intrigued on, on this because um, I don't know too much about different challenges and stuff that you've gone through, but I'd love to know if there's any any pain that's pushing you. Yeah, I think it's always the yin and yang, like the push and pull of life. Um, for me, I think the pain is probably 
not necessarily a pain, but maybe more of like that insecurity. I feel like I've been given so much opportunity in life, um, came from a good family, was fortunate to go to a good school, went to university. And my thing is anyone in that position should deliver such a high value back to society. I really think like the earnest is on them to be driving the best possible outcome and leaving this world a better place than they found it. I mean, it can come from anyone. And I'm not saying you need those circumstances to leave a good impact on the world, but I'm saying the people who have those circumstances should be the best equipped to do so. Mm. So for me, um, the biggest thing is, my biggest fear would be when it all ends, meeting the person who I could have become. Mm. The The story of going up to, you know, I'm not particularly religious, but say you are going up to the gates and there is the creator or wh- whoever it is, and they show you... Um, a video they read out a list of all these accomplish accomplishments of all the things that you've done and you go hold up that's not me that you must have someone else and they go oh this is who you are meant to be mm. for me that is like the scariest thing i could ever imagine i think like not meeting the potential of who you could have become so that's probably what i'm running away from um what i'm running towards i think pleasure but i think um I think we all seek pleasure, but I think we can find it in different ways. I think understanding the delayed gratification of pleasure early on in your life is extremely, extremely valuable. I think people in school, um, particularly early on, you can find that in the gym. The gym's a great way. Fitness is the perfect example of this. It is short-term pain for long-term pleasure and benefit. May that be pleasure from looking a certain way, feeling a certain way, performance, there's so many benefits from exercise, but it all comes back that in the short term, it sucks. In the short term, you don't want to get up and run in the morning. You don't want to push for that final rep. You have to overcome that knowing that there is a delayed gratification of pleasure that will come from the numerous benefits of exercise. And discipline's the same. It's the short term saying no, which is painful. It's not. It's choosing the path of least resistance for then the long-term benefit. Mm. resisting short-term pleasures in favor of something greater exactly it's it's honestly a challenge for people our age though as well i think it's it's quite a serious problem where people aren't willing to resist those short-term pleasures in favor of that greater calling and that 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 future that they want it's almost like they are looking at their life as in the next 12 24 months and the things that they could be doing now that would move the needle dramatically in three to five years, they don't even see, they don't even imagine their life in three to five years. It's just like doing the things now. And it's almost like their future self is going to hate their current self for the things that they, they did because they're not setting themselves up, right? Um, you've had different phases in your life where you've you know, potentially partied more, Um, and then you've also had phases where you've gone all in with things like 75 hard. So you've experienced it all travel, um, all the rest of it, girls all across the world. Talk to me about the phases of your life and I'm not more specifically the, the drinking and the partying phases. Is there any key takeaways from those phases that you think were really valuable lessons that you can then apply into your life now being maybe not as focused on that that partying vibe the drinking um and all the rest of it i think everyone seeks pleasure as we said before and there's different ways to get pleasure um pleasure can be short-lived you know it's the the partying the going out drinking nights out 
And then pleasure can be more longer term. You know, it can be that delayed gratification of pleasure that comes from climbing the mountain, comes from consistent waking schedule and and smashing PBs in the gym, all all of those things. So I think what I took from the, the partying is you understand where pleasure can come from and the different pleasure sources in this world. And I think there's a time and place for everything. Um, I think partying can be incredibly fun. Drinking, you know, that whole scene can be incredibly fun. And I'm not someone to say that it isn't. I think there's just a time and place. And I think when I started transitioning out of more of that corporate style job into a climate tech startup, where I definitely needed to use my brain a lot more um, and needed to be a lot more switched on in the week, there, it just wasn't worth the trade-off of getting ridden off every weekend and then half of my week being super unproductive. I needed that productivity to fuel my growth. So I had to make a decision. Is it worth not going out and saying no for the delayed gratification of performing better in my job, performing better throughout the week, and also performing better in life generally, you know, performance in the gym, all of those things. So I think once you make that decision, it's then the discipline of, saying no and and leaving that scene um but yeah i I think back to the point like pleasure coming from drinking going out partying they're all great and and there's a time and place for it but i think when you're in that really building phase of your life which i think the early 20s if you can do it right you can set yourself up to retire you know by 30 very easily and i think if you're in that phase of your life then you do need to make that decision but the reality is you know we live in a society that is essentially revolved around drinking you know particularly if you go into the corporate structure you go through your job university very drinking heavy then go into a job it's friday night beers it's come and network always beers it's oh the company's put a bar tab on it's by the culture 100 percent. and if you don't go you actually miss out on the networking effects so i think what's interesting there is like because it's so ingrained in our society it's very hard to dissociate unless you're running your own business or you're going down that more like entrepreneurial route where again it's it's you in your own corner like it's you backing yourself um you're not as connected with the rest of society because you're trying to build and create something new so you do have more autonomy Mm. on your decisions whereas i think it is incredibly hard for someone in a corporate structure say you're at a big four or you know any of those those types of businesses to separate yourself from that drinking which is so ingrained and still see the amount of success and networking you would have um, if you were going out to the bar and networking. Mm. It's funny though, I feel like the main reason it's easier for someone in the entrepreneurial journey and running, trying to run their own business is that they're their own motivation. And so they don't have, they're not being told what to do by a boss and they have a schedule laid out for them on what they've got to do. So if they have a big night out, they're wrecked for two days at least in terms of at least suboptimal. They might be 40% of their capacity. And they're the one that has to get themselves out of bed. They're the one that has to turn on the laptop. They're the one that has to send the emails, do the work. No one else is motivating them. So when you are on this journey, you go, okay, I can drink and have fun for five hours tonight, but that's going to make me extreme. That's going to make my life extremely hard for the next 48 hours to try and do all the work that I have on my to-do list, which in turn is going to get me to my goals and the life that I want to live. Because like, if I was half-assing this, this entrepreneurial journey and I'm not getting the most out of it, it'd probably be better off me just going to get a job. But because I'm trying to achieve exceptional, if I go out and send it 
and I'm hungover on Sunday. So I, Sunday's a write-off. And then Monday and Tuesday are not optimal. Like all of a sudden that's over 40% of my whole work week done out of like finished and so when you apply that you go is that that's fun but is it worth it maybe not and so it's almost like that equation that balancing of like weighing up the the good and the bad it's just it just far out with a bad far out ways it's funny it's like the cycle of a saturday night is a concept i created it's probably a known thing being used heaps of times but it's just a concept i had because i was in it and i the way I got out of it was I, I, I was like, no, I'm doing 75 hard. And I started doing 75 hard. And the cycle of a Saturday night was you, the sun's shining. It's a beautiful summer's day on Saturday. And you decide to go to the pub with your mates to have a couple of beers. And then those couple of beers turn into a few too many beers. You end up getting home, you're wrecked. You probably eat something shit. You wake up on Sunday morning, you are just wrecked. Sunday's a write-off. Monday, you're getting back into it, but you're a bit slow. You're kind of dreading dreading it. And then and then Tuesday, you're still slowly recovering. You're a bit better than you were on Monday, but you're still not all there. And then Wednesday comes, you're starting to feel pretty good. But then all you're thinking about on Wednesday is what the boys are doing on Friday so then you can go and have beers and you literally get in this in this head of Wednesday Tuesday you're never drinking again because you're just so wrecked and then Wednesday comes and like you're starting to feel good again and you're just thinking about those pleasures that you're having last weekend and then you live the cycle again and again and again and what I noticed was the nine months leading up to me doing 75 hard were I was in that cycle and then I did 75 hard for two and a half months and I got more done in those two and a half months than I did the whole nine months before 75 hard. And so when I look at that, I go, if I go all in, I know my productivity compounds. And it's like after two weeks of not drinking, I feel unstoppable. I feel sharp. And then, and then I just keep going, keep going. And those two and a half months, like I, this is when I started posting content. It's when I was doing all this stuff and I go, holy shit, like if my goals are all the way up here and I'm chasing them, if I go out, not only am I riding off a few days and feeling like shit, but I'm taking a step backwards, not forward. Because now I'm one day older, but not one step closer to the goals that I have. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. This ties really well into something that you also wrote down about how success doesn't change you, it changes the people around you. Um, and, and you wrote that down or, or about say, success doesn't change the individual, it changes the people around them. And this quote, I think, ties in from when, in Lewis Capaldi's documentary where he got asked the question, he said, fame doesn't change you, fame changes the people around you. And you wrote that down. Recently, you've been blowing up on social media um, millions of views hundreds of thousands of followers like gaining so much traction online have you changed have you noticed people around you change how's that dynamic been for you with such a swift and and a switch in career career for you i guess you could say yeah no i think the novelty wears off pretty quick um i think initially yeah i mean i met you at the time when i was sort of jumping from maybe like five to 10,000 followers and it was all feeling like very exciting and a little bit overwhelming. Um, but nobody wears off very quick. I think the success comes, I think the difficulty is more just like running the different lanes of, like we are talking before about like people who drink 
and are in the corporate structure and there's the cycle and I think just generally it's a hard thing to say but I think just generally people do work hard for companies but you never work as hard for a company as you will for yourself and that's just just when you're as driven as you are though it's a key word because Mm -hmm. because I've met so many people that work for themselves but they've been sticking at this thing for eight years and they've got nowhere potentially but i mean comparatively to if they were working in a job they're probably still working harder for themselves right like you know it's it's just like the most motivating thing because the risk is so high Mm. Um, because if you don't get out of bed that morning and you don't the lights may not turn on you're not getting paid yeah exactly so i think because of that when you then uh, uh, associated, which I think is really important to remain grounded and have a mix of friends around you that aren't all, you know, working for themselves, that aren't all in the fitness creator space, aren't in the creative space more broadly, but are, you know, doing their different jobs. I think it's just difficult sometimes to resonate on the same level because you don't work a working week. You don't work Monday to Friday. You are always on. And this has been an interesting thing with, you know, our friendship group that you're now very much a part of. We have a great friendship group and I think part of the reason why the social media was so successful is because I shone a spotlight on that and I always knew we had a great friendship group, lived in a great part of the world and we're extremely lucky but now it's being validated by millions of people online saying how lucky we are. So that's very nice in some veins but also it puts the onus and responsibility onto me sometimes to feel like I need to capture those moments. You know, we've had multiple birthdays recently we obviously go and do the Murph on the Saturday, filming it, put together an edit, and all that's turned around in the space of about two hours after the event on the same day. And although that's great and the videos are super well received, I'm obviously not as in the moment as if I'd left my phone at home. So I think striking that balance is really important. And when you're successful in social media, particularly if your job is content creation, you're always trying to capture the moment. Uh, I think David Dobrik spoke on this very well where, you know, when he's making YouTube videos, it was that thing of filming everything and then they go, oh, wait, okay, we need to retake that. That was really funny, but we didn't capture it from the right angle. And it's like, of course it gets a bit stale and a bit old. Luckily, we're not quite at that point yet, but I still think, um, you know, particularly as we move to long form, we're looking at launching YouTube and all those things, it's about, having those moments where you can go back and be like right okay we are still real people we do need to put our phones down we're doing that as a house uh, Mm -hmm. very well at the moment i think where we've got you know after dinner leave the phones at home we go down we have a swim just us no one's filming yet no one's on social media and that's really important because you are always on you know Mm -hmm. run club in the morning that's something we do but we're always on we're filming it if we say hello chatting to everyone yeah for me like my why i got into fitness so much is the gym used to be like quite me- meditative for, for myself i used to go i would switch off i would get a sweat on and hit a really hard session and i would absolutely love it now in the back of my mind although i still train hard and, and still love it i am oh this would be good for a video oh i need to get an angle of my last set on here this is a good thing um which i think is really difficult when you start to turn your passion which i think you should follow your passion and chase your dreams and i'm so fortunate that i get to do what i love every single day but when you start to make that transition from your passion into your job it's like there is no barriers Mm -hmm. you know we talked about in covid like the blurred lines between bringing your work into your home content creation is like your life is your Mm -hmm. work like 
my particularly my type of content where it's daily content literally taking everything i do in a day like there's not a moment i don't miss and um yeah i'm incredibly grateful for where i am it's an amazing like job like it's not even a job right but i think it comes back i really like the quote that goes um they say if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life and i actually disagree with that i think if you love what you do you'll work every single day of your mm. life. You'll work Friday, Saturday nights. You'll work on your birthday. You'll work on your friend's birthday. You'll work on Christmas. And I think I'm seeing that now. And again, it doesn't feel like work because I love it. But you work. The hours I put in a day, our, our screen time, you know, yours would be the same. It's 10 to 12 hours a day. Um, it's not that much, but yeah. Yeah, 10 yeah. to 12 hours a day of screen time, of recording, editing, CapCut, you know, all of those things. And it's a, it's a continuous grind, you know, two pieces of content a day, every single day since I started. And it's been five months <laughs> or yeah, four months or whatever even, it's been. Yeah, wild. And yeah, pumped out some serious content in that time. But I'm so happy I'm doing it. I love what I'm doing and it's opened so many doors. So I'll forever be grateful for it. But I think it's just keeping it in mind to like ground yourself. Mm. Um, not everyone's on the same journey. You know, I've got loads of friends who are in that those corporate structures and they're incredibly happy and they go out on the weekend and they are happy in their different veins and I'm not going to tell them otherwise that they shouldn't be happy in there. I just think if anyone takes a good stint of alcohol um, because it is very secular in that nature, they just put you into a cycle. If you were to take a good stint off, I think you'd realise how great you could be. I think you'd probably realise um, you're probably putting out 60% of what you could be into your work. Either you could dial that up and maximum. you know maximize, or you could become extremely optimal. You could get that promotion you wanted. You could be more efficient, or you could go. Actually, maybe I could do something else as well. And that's where people start the side hustles. They start new hobbies. All of those things. I think it just opens up a lot of doors. Mm. There's a lot I want to unpack up from what you just said. One of the things was you mentioned that like you're documenting all all of your day, right? The thing that's even worse is the more amazing experiences that we have, the more inclined we are to document them because we go, oh, that's such good content. And so it's almost like the most amazing experiences we can experience, which being present in the moment would be the most amazing thing, our brain automatically goes to, we need to document this. So it's not even like we're vlogging every day almost guaranteed 100% of the most amazing things that we're doing is being documented. So you're never fully present because you're looking at what's happening behind the screen to make sure the shot is right. <laughs> and so that's, it's crazy. Another thing I'm really interested though is, is a bit earlier on in, in what you were saying is you mentioned like if you don't get out of bed, then you don't know if the light's going to be turned on. And you, you mentioned that about having, being your own motivation and you're the one that's, you know, got to do the work hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The reality is, is you're in a position where you could knock it out of bed in the morning for a very long time and your lights will still stay on. I'm intrigued about your motivation and where it stems from because you could not work and travel the world for the next decade or however long and you'll be chilling what what's the motivation to get out of bed in the morning i know like is is a massive part about it the progression that you're having and you're it's quite addictive to see it move forward or like what is that motivation because it's certainly not to keep the lights on yeah to clarify probably not a decade and (laughs) (laughs) maybe not but yeah yeah, I think what I've saved up over time from other jobs and other ventures um, has put me in that fortunate position. But yeah, I think there's just a long way to go. I For think sure. like I'm just like bottom of the mountain. Um, I love it. Whether like I think you can always play relativity to your benefit or to mm. your demise. Like you could always look around and be like, oh well, you know, I'm doing pretty well at this age. Blah blah blah. Maybe I should just stay here. And you could also be like, no get to work there's stuff to do like you've got a long journey ahead of you and i think i'm just very much in that zone right now the concept of like going out celebrating traveling you know just putting my feet up yeah like i sort of just despise it at the moment and i think because i've i've surrounded myself with a circle of people that are incredibly hardworking, incredibly self-motivated disciplined and want to go and achieve great things um, I think I want to build great brands through my personal audience. Um, you know, we're making the steps to do that now, but it's a long-term play. Mm. I think particularly social media, you can be a flash in the pan. You can be hot one minute, hot the next. It takes years to build your audience. Reputation could all be ruined in a couple of seconds. So for me, it's how do I translate what I've built into something longer term? How mm. do we create as much impact as possible for as many people over the long term? I think if you're not, having that vision if you're just going i just want cash grab you know i just want to do these brand deals just want to sell these programs and and that's me i'm just going to be here and then gone you're not adopting that mentality of how can i build a great business and a great brand Mm -hmm. into the long term um so yeah for Mm -hmm. me definitely in it for the long term you know i've made the decision to step away from a very successful company where i was a founding employee i could have had a great career in climate consulting in an industry that i was interested in to build my personal brand um, in a space that I'm extremely passionate about. So, yeah, I think for me, like waking up every day and, and knowing that people derive some level of aspiration or inspiration from the posts and get some value from the content that I put out, that's incredibly important and incredibly motivating uh, mm. for me as well. It's the most motivating thing. I feel like it's you've got all these incomes in your life, right? Money is obviously one of them, but you've also got like compliments and different like like different affirmations people that things that people tell you for us like like 
getting all those messages, the people saying that we've helped them so much in real life, like that's a huge income for us. And it's a big motivator to keep going for sure. I resonate a lot with it as well because yeah, it's for me, it's like, yeah, as soon as the lights come on, it's not like I'm just going to switch off. It's almost like this thought in my mind of you are an able human being. You have the ability to create some level of significance in this world. If you were lying on your deathbed and you were looking back at your life and you did not give it a crack, like how would that make you feel? It's quite a ridiculous concept, right? Put yourself in your 90 year old shoes or bed and like think about the life that you've just lived. Imagine saying what if as opposed to oh well, like that whole concept seems scary to me not doing that. So like whenever you're when tying it back to the very start, it's like your self doubt, whenever your doubt kicks in, like fucking kick it out, kick it out the room, <laughs> like tell it to piss off because your self is going to doubt you more than everyone else. And obviously the people that doubt you that aren't you don't matter. So you just don't really need to have them in your life. But yeah, I just, I just feel like, yeah, you, you do really need to, to, to give it a crack. Right. Like, like it's almost just like your duty of service, as you're saying, like it's just your something that you owe to the world, especially when you're saying like, if for me being blessed to have had such a good upbringing, like I owe it to the world to try and create something that's going to benefit people. And, and having that long vision is certainly, is certainly going to help you do that. Yeah. I think anyone though, like if you grow up in a developed country or relatively developed or developing country where you have access to education um, doesn't necessarily have to be tertiary education or, or private ed- education, but just access to that and the ability to give back somehow. I think we really should. I think we should determine where we can provide the most value in society. I think in developed worlds and particularly the Western world, we have a huge emphasis on entertainment and creatives. Um, given that we're very fortunate, particularly here in Australia, to have that baseline of a great healthcare system, great education system. So I think once you have those, we sort of work our way up, maybe Maslow's hierarchy of needs, to that very top pillar, which is around that self-realization, mm-hmm. you know, entertainment. And I think once you're there, that's an area that's super interesting to play in. How can we deliver entertainment, but also education um, in a really nice value-giving form? And I think that's, yeah, that's something that's definitely a challenge. You know, mm. we, we talk about it all the time, like content creation is this continuous game and you're staying on top of trends. You're basically like a media production house, mm. just a one man show of it or one woman <laughs> show of it. There's a lot going on. You're, you know, you're self-managing because there's brands reaching out. You're then going into like e-commerce because you're selling online. You're essentially wearing many hats at any given point in time, like any entrepreneur. But I think if you are entrepreneurially driven, uh, the way I always compare it is having a personal brand for an entrepreneur is like owning a bar for an alcoholic. You have, once you've built your audience, so many levers to pull. And if you were to segment up, you know, really any service or goods business into that manufacturing of the product or manufacturing of the service, you know, gaining the expertise, then it's really your marketing and your distribution or sales channel. And having an audience gives you your last two. So your marketing and distribution. And then the decisions really, what do you want to manufacture? What product or service do you want to deliver to that audience? 
And I think if there's a fair exchange, you know, if you're providing value to your audience um, and for exchange of that, they're either watching your content, which gives you, you know, the opportunity to monetize various ways or they're departing with dollars to pay for your product or service. Um, then there's a really nice ecosystem there that you've created for mm-hmm. yourself and you can have impact at a global scale because we're connected now like due to globalization and just the natural form of social media you know some of our biggest audiences are in the u.s they're in the uk for me brazil india as well as australia are all audiences so it's pretty amazing and Mm. i'm actually really looking forward to going to peru in a week where um yeah i know there is an audience in peru and i've got some in brazil and other parts of south america so i think it's going to be interesting there um if you know anyone comes over and says hi that'll be amazing and i hope they do because that's really special to feel like you're having that impact overseas um but also people are normally incredibly generous and proud of their home so i know i am and i love sharing my home with other people being new zealand so i hope it's the same over there if i get to meet anyone that's amazing yeah when you're talking about obviously value exchange you're building businesses it ties in really well to something that you wrote on your whiteboard um you wrote on your whiteboard we are not influencers we are in the business of building brands that's an interesting perspective switch right because you know typically when you're blowing up and you're gaining followers online and you're having all these brands come to you it's almost like a wow there's so much opportunity here. we could kill it with these brand deals and then you basically gone and flipped on its head and I resonated with it so much given my entrepreneurial background and, and businesses that I've run as you go like, no, we're in the business of building brands. Like you can JV or joint venture with us or you can fuck off because we're not going to be just your face and your marketing tool and you can leverage all of our trust just for a little bit of a monthly retainer. Now give us a piece of the pie. Talk to me a bit more about that. I think social media, we're in an incredibly interesting time. It's a little bit like the Wild West because if you think of an adoption cycle of social media, at the very early stages, we had those early adopters and they're typically like any new technology wave. They're challenger brands that adopt the technology early and leverage that to challenge big, slow players, right? So your big, slow players are like your S&P 500 companies. They're like your governments and all that. Probably on the adoption cycle now, we're at that laggards. Laggards are like, you know, like government institutions. And I think we really saw that coming out of COVID where large state tourism boards or national tourism boards leverage the power of social media and influencers to advertise a country's tourism to try and bring it back up. So they got influencers, you know, maybe going, traveling there, creating content for them and posting on social media. I think... What's happened though is although we've got to like mainstream social media use, like the adoption rates are crazy, I think what we're seeing is the way brands engage with creators in the space is just so varied. I mean, there's plenty of great brands out there doing great things, but a lot of them really try to strong arm creators. They're, we're the big brand. We've been established for a long time. You want to work with us because, you know, having X brand on your T-shirt or drinking X supplement is going to make you look better. And they sort of put you in a very delicate position where you just become this this bludging sales tool for them. And they don't really, I think, appreciate the effort and time it takes into the content creation side. You know, they would never talk to a marketing agency the same way or a 
catalogue or an established magazine. And I think that's the way brands need to think about creators. You know, we are building a catalogue and if you want a page on the catalogue, you have to pay for it and you have to pay a reasonable price because you're leveraging my credibility to my audience by putting that on there. So there's just been a few instances where I think brands that are, you know, larger players come in and they go, how about you work on a three-month um, affiliate based trial with us and essentially being like well if you drive sales for us for three months yeah we'll pay you some commission very low commission on the affiliate sales but you have to sort of prove yourself over the three months and push our product to a certain point before we let you in the door it's like no marketing <laughs> agencies don't work like that like magazines don't work like that it's not yeah okay we'll do all this like pro bono work for you for three months and then you know, we get enough sales, then potentially you may work with us. It's like, no, you see the profile, you've seen what I've built, you've seen the audience. If you want to work with me, then let's talk about that and build that together. Um, to the point around brand deals versus long-term ventures and joint ventures, I think in any line you can, you, you can play in from a creator's perspective, you need to get out of the mindset of cash grabbing for short-term brand deals. Brand deals are great. You know, they may pay for 12 months. Fantastic. But at the end of that 12 months, where does that leave you? You've built and leveraged your audience to then buy their product. They're now in their data system. They're building their brand equity. They may have a repeat customer for the next 20 years. Or they may that may contribute to a valuation that allows them to exit for how many millions of dollars where are you in this situation holding on to the cash that they only gave you for one year that's fine in lanes that you don't particularly want to play in and you're not going to go to the extent of you know setting our company and really driving it and that there's plenty of categories where that still exists for myself but the ones where i do really believe i can play and leverage my audience's credit you know my credibility with my audience um to move significant product and deliver a lot of value those lanes i don't want to be an influencer i will not be an influencer in those i am in the game of building great businesses and i'll build that alongside companies that i want to work with but it will be a joint venture mm. there will be equity going both ways and we're in it together it's a partnership um rather than just here's the product go and sell it yeah, it's, it's almost like when you're in that joint venture environment as well, it's like you're not paying me for a photo shoot. Like I want to go do the photo shoot because it's my business as well. It's like having that ability to be able to treat it like your own. I think what's so fascinating is brands will go, oh, like you're just filming one video for us. Like why would we pay you all this money? And it's like, well, no, I posted 500 videos without earning a penny and I built up all this trust, all this following. So now when I film one video, you're going to pay me a premium for it. And it's almost like people disregard all of the stuff that's below the water, the part of the iceberg that's below the water, no one sees. And they go, influencers get paid so much. It's like, what about all the hours that I put in without getting a penny back to now I can earn this rate? It's almost like we're putting in the groundwork and all of the we're learning all these skills and refining our craft and making it better and better more relatable more shareable making the content better and building trust along the way to build this audience that people start to really know and love us it's like that comes with a cost like we're putting your brand on our shirt that all these people trust like 
you you better like you better pay us fairly and it's almost like they come in here and they send these ridiculous contracts that like say they own all the content for the next 40 years or whatever it is ridiculous and you just go like no and so being able to have that ability to to step back and go i'm in this for the long game i'm not going to tarnish my brand and work with some big company that's trying to rip me off and use my credibility and my trust I'm going to sit back and make sure that we're making the right decisions here. Yeah, it's a bit like the artist who, you know, the painting takes her or him an hour to do, but she sells it for $10 million. And people go, well, that's ridiculous because it only took her an hour or him an hour. But the reality is all of those unseen below the iceberg hours that went into the craft or building up the reputation so that she can sell her art for $10 million or his art for $10 million. And I think that's... It's an important concept, and I also don't want to necessarily say that everyone is like that in the space. There are some brands doing some great things um, and treat creators very fairly, but I think generally, like it is a bit of a wild west at the moment. It's all behind closed doors. No one really knows what each other's rates are. You know, like being fairly paid, it's so subjective. You know, it depends how much the brand wants to work with the individual. Depends how much the individual wants to work with the brand. It's a lot of negotiation. And, you know, we're going through the process now of getting management on board, um, and I think that should smooth up a lot of the process. I think when big companies sort of see that you're managed by yourself, they're also, like, rubbing their hands, like, mm. here's time to get a cheap deal. They've got no idea what they're doing. And I think there's also that, the classic, you know, which is why I like doing long form as well, probably particularly for, for myself, for Jake, maybe for you as well. I think people probably see us, um, they see maybe the 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 physique and highlight reel the the but physique maybe the look as well and think uh he won't have anything between his heads like he'll just be you know crunching the weights he's probably probably an idiot doesn't really know anything and um yeah it's refreshing jumping on with some of these brands and sort of talking about okay well like what's going to make you look good to the brand if it's an agency or how do we work in the best way? You know, what what are you guys trying to get out of this relationship? And sort of getting down to more of a business conversation. And yeah, f- fairly so. Probably a lot of brands aren't maybe used to that um, from necessarily like fitness creators or influencers in the space. But I think now that social media is becoming so mainstreamly adopted, you have these creators that are pretty sharp business minds and sharp individuals generally. And they built a personal brand because it's probably the best thing you could ever do for your business, like no matter what business you're going to go into. Um, So they're having more sort of mature business conversations. I think as that continues to grow, I think there'll be a growing respect for creators in the space. I think where it all started when it was just people who looked a certain way and they blew Mm. up off a couple of videos and, yeah, I think there maybe is like a bit of a lack of respect in that in that world um, for creators and it is seen as like, oh, what a pushover job. You're not really doing anything. You just get paid loads of money to look, look a certain way. It's a bit like the modeling industry. Like mm. modeling is an incredibly tough profession and it's so undermined by I think people being like, oh, you just look a certain way so they pay you loads of money. It's like... Ridiculous. The, like same with acting. Like you're going to auditions, you're getting like knowed by so many people you have to like your body has to look a certain way your face has to look as like you're under continuous scrutiny you're normally traveling a lot like whether that's in your own city or all over the world which yes that sounds amazing to some people being like oh, i wish i went to milan but 
like we know Jordan and Zach, right? Like they literally yeah. created a company because of the amount of travel that they had to do and how much it ruined their sleep cycle. Yeah. I think just like that in general is undermined in society. Like I think we have this under appreciation for how much work creatives do. Same with artists, you know, anyone yeah. who's in that creative space, um, you know, the vast majority are probably underpaid. Um, at the very top, like any profession, there is a lot of money, but it is skewed heavily. And, you know, part of it is about making it look so easy. It's about my life's great. My yeah. life's a highlight reel, which, you know, again, not complaining. I have a fantastic life that I'm very fortunate for. For sure. Yeah. Interesting with that model thing. And, um, I'm going to read something in a second that I wrote down in the perspective of like, what the models go through it's like obviously you know i've experienced that just through some of my close friends and like this shit behind scenes that you see them have to deal with is so ridiculous and then like you obviously tie in like for a model for example it's like obviously they're getting told to look a certain way and then if they don't look like that way and then they get a they get a gig that then they have to go on a billboard and then they have to live with the fact that they look four kilos heavier than they're supposed to and they're in their head like all of that that plays on behind the scenes is absolutely ridiculous um to deal with and anyway i wrote something down which is actually really interesting it's almost the the way i was writing it is like imagine having to go through this to put someone to someone that's not in that industry into perspective and then it's almost like the way to get out of it is by a tough conversation but i said Imagine being told by someone to be someone that you aren't. Imagine trying your very best to be you just for someone to tell you to be different. This happens all the time. And let me tell you, the reason it drags on is because the way to end it is by having a tough conversation. A tough conversation that goes a bit like this. Hey friend, boss, colleague, partner. I just want to let you know that I'm trying my very best to be me. Be someone that when I look in the mirror, I am proud of the person I see. And I really don't appreciate the way that you are trying to tell me to be different. And not only be different, be an unhealthier version of me, be an unhappier version of me. And having that hard conversation will either make them appreciate you more because they see you respect yourself, or it can mean that you both have to go your separate ways. Regardless of the outcome, it's the right outcome because you only want people in your life that want you for you, not just for what you could do for them. And it's an interesting thing for people that are in the spotlight because they're getting told to go certain ways all the time, to be a certain thing, to do this because that makes the most business sense. It's almost like taking away from you and, and who you are. That's why I really like being able to build a personal brand that evolves around you. As you change, it, it, it changes as well because people are following you because of you and they invested into you and your journey. So being able to make it a really authentic transition it's like when like even with with my content being able to make sure that the when things are more focused in my life i kind of talk about that a bit more because i want people to follow me in terms of when we talk about the longevity right I want people to follow me for me and not just a part of me and it's an interesting thing because that is a big battle for people that are in the limelight and people that do get you know have to go through those those certain things about being in front of the camera not behind it yeah, but I do also think, like we've talked about this, you do get pigeonholed into what you're known for. And I think that's something I definitely commend you. The easy path for you would have been going back to the car, going back to that content that you knew worked so well and just hammering that again and doing another 101 hard-hitting quotes. Like that would be the easy decision that you could do. And I think you've taken the path of most resistance, which 
is trying to pivot to something where your life is more focused on now. So being a proper reflection of yourself and not falling into the traps of likes and views and being like, oh, well, this worked in the past, therefore I'm going to replicate it again. And I mm -hmm. think, yeah, it's it's commendable because it is, once you're in that limelight, um, yeah, you People you don't are, like change. People well. don't like change, 100%. You become known for a certain type of content. It's quite hard to pivot out of. So I think, yeah, I, I like what you're doing and I think you do have to stick with it until you may necessarily like see it really move the needle in terms of results, but I feel like it's heading that way. So it's good to see. Yeah, it is interesting. I'm still playing around with it. Like I literally posted a, a, a an old hard hitting quote on TikTok this morning, fun mm. fact, and it got like 30,000 views in the first hour. And there so you, you just look at it and go like, <laughs> you just look at it and go, yeah. why do they still like this stuff? But, but that's the thing, yeah. you become known for it. It's um, just crazy. I look at it and just go and like, that's a lot for TikTok, right? And, and you kind of just go like, that's probably gonna hit a million views. Mm. And like, it's a video I filmed six months ago episode seven or whatever it was yeah. i just thought i'll zoom it in a little bit and post the exact same video saying and all the caption was do you remember this that's all it was oh, and so you look at it and just go like far out like i know i could hone in on that and, and double my following probably in the next six months mm. and so it is an interesting it, it is interesting i want to 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 close us out and have a an interesting thought about we're talking we've been talking a lot about what's that next big thing, you know, that we can hop on early and really make that industry needle moving change where we're doing, we're, we're pioneering the space for creators and it's constant like thoughts about like, what is that thing and what's the next big like internet or Instagram or like, what is this thing and what can we, how can we jump on it early and really set the scene and pioneer that space? And yeah, I don't know if you have anything in your mind that's like, you don't have to dig, dig deep into, you know, what specifically that is, but like what, I don't know, is there something in your mind that where you think the space is heading and where you think you can tap into? Yeah, I think I, I actually feel like it's going to be VR and AR. Um, yeah. So virtual reality and augmented reality. I think before I dive into that, just take a step back. I think that anyone who's looking for that next big thing, you know, maybe we thought it was going to be blockchain, crypto, NFT world, um, you know, Web3, maybe prior, you know, dot-com boom, all those. I think you just have to position yourself in a way that you can adapt to whatever it's going to be. And mm. I think having a personal brand is like almost the best way to do that. I think jumping on like whatever the new platform is, like think about the early TikTok creators. They just like blew up, like the elevator boys and, and people like that who just saw it not necessarily saw it coming, but we're just early adopters. They just tried it. And I think that's all, crack. Yeah, I think that's all you can do. It's like just test and learn, test and learn. But not disregarding the current platforms because you can still go through some life-changing things with them. So it's oh, not like 100%. hanging on to this next thing, right? Yeah. It's almost like the when that comes, I'll do this thing where it's like, no, start with whatever you have now, but be ready to move. Yeah, and then I think like being in the door with the right conversations. Like, I think that's something that I love about social media. Although, you know, we just talked about like the spotlight and all those things. The, the amazing part of social media is you are connected globally mm. with so many people, not just your audience. And you get to, you know, be exposed to all these amazing people and hopefully leave them with some value. But you also get the opportunity for the insights. You know, we talk to people at Meta. We talk to people at TikTok. We have 
the opportunity to see where are the platforms going like where do they sort of want to take them and where are they trying to push it as well and then you know i, I think what Meta's doing with mark zuckerberg um lex freeman had a really good podcast you know they did it in the new vr that Meta's created and i think in the fitness world the biggest thing you can deliver as i think a fitness personality or coach is accountability right like you're you know, we talk about our like high ticket one-on-one clients. Re- really what they want from us is accountability. It's, they normally know what to do. They know they need to eat healthy, go to the gym, get eight hours of sleep, you know, ice baths or whatever. Like they know what they need to do. What they want from us is they want, you know, Chris or, or myself or Jake to wake up every morning and message them and say, hey, did you get eight hours of sleep last night? Hey, did you, did you do the workout? How was the workout? What needs to be changed? Anything need to be changed? Okay, that sounds great. Oh, you're progressing on your lifts. So the really important thing for them is that someone cares and, and someone stays accountable. So when I think of virtual reality, if you're a creator who's built a personal brand and Meta knocks on your door and goes, hey, we're, we're releasing VR tomorrow. It's virtual reality. You could put your programs that someone could put on a VR headset and instead of you whatsapping them or giving them a call you could be there standing in the gym over them saying that's rep eight you said you're going to do 10 on the program you've got two more reps in the bag let's let's get it up what is going to hold them more accountable like that is going to be the next level or if you've got you know jake elastaboy on vr doing his stretches in front of you and you're following along he's on the yoga mat next to you and he's folding himself in half like he normally is most times most mornings and most Mm -hmm. evenings but if that's the, I think for a fitness creator who wants to be in the space and create, like how much more engaging and accountable um, are you going to be as, as a personality? And then like, if you think about the content that you can deliver, it's a bit like the Travis Scott, you know, having like a VR concert and all those things. Like, I don't think the world's quite there yet. I don't think we've had the adoption because it needs the hardware component of the VR glasses for us to really go into that world. But once we're there, like, it's going to be pretty crazy. And then Mm. you add on augmented reality, which is the combination of real life. So, you know, you and I sitting in here with the furry pet that's now your extra avatar or it's your pet in that world. And I think it was really interesting what Mark Zuckerberg was saying was we struggle to go into these virtual worlds when everything's animated. Like if we're in this room and it's all like cartoon and there's and neither you or I, we're looking at avatars. We struggle with that, but we seem to be, and this is from the focus groups and tests they've done. We seem to be okay if we're all here, but then there's also fairy pets or, or this is cartoon or the background's cartoon and you're real. We seem to have this, like when it's a mix, our brain can just process and handle it more. Um, so I think that's really interesting. And like, that space wherever that's going i want to be at the forefront mm. like that will be there's, awesome there's a step um just b- before that which is coming very very soon which is absolutely insane is what you can do i'm not sure if it's fully finalized yet but with ai you can say like tony robbins for example to pay for him to a one-on-one chat with him a you couldn't do it but it would cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars for probably a couple minutes whatever it is what you can do is there's software's being built that you can upload every single one of his seminars from the past and upload it into one AI thing. 
and then it can then generate based on it, it would know Tony Robbins and how to respond if you asked him a question better than him himself based on all of his past seminars that you could hop on a call with Tony Robbins. It would be an AI version of him looking identical like it's in real life on the phone. Hop on a call with Tony Robbins live and when you answer, ask him a question, he'll be able to respond better than Tony Robbins and he's not even there. And so being able to tap into the space of being able to speak to anyone online that is that you want to know something from, you want to know form, you want to do something like this, they could just track all of your past things of speaking and, and knowledge, formulate it into an Alfie Robertson bot that's literally looks identical, hop on a FaceTime call with your bot. They pay you to get the answers from Alfie. And like, it's, it's crazy the space is going in. I think just on that, the difficulty there and like the example you gave with Toby Robbins is why he probably doesn't do it virtually and why he just probably doesn't let people pay virtually is that like he is responding and like great psychologists and um, is he a psychologist? I'm is. not sure. He's just, I don't know. I look at him, motivation guy. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, great people in that space who have ext- extremely high um, emotional intelligence will be reading you from the second you walk in that room and will be looking at you, looking the way you're reacting, looking if you're making eye contact while you're talking, if you're looking away, all of those things. And I think digging back into like his historical vault of how he's answered similar questions isn't necessarily going to be a great predictor of how he answers that question. So I wonder if if AI will do a better job um, in that. And yeah, I guess that's a question of like, how much data can you upload? How close would it actually be to how he would respond? Um, but I do think in terms of like more objective answers, you know, things like how many sets should I do on this? Or what exercise would you recommend for this? Then that's fantastic. You know, that, yeah, it delivers a lot of scale. It's pretty scary where it's heading. Yeah. Uh, but I think does allow you to really scale, but also becomes quite Im- impersonal and like moves away from the, the personal a- aspect of jumping people on a call. People know it's AI, right? So, yeah, yeah, and it's whether people will derive the same level of accountability. Um, and I think that's a big question just for society in terms of like, do we, yeah, like we still, I feel like, need to have that human interaction at some level. Like I think we'll always need to go and see a GP, whether they're assisted by AI and all that new technology, which they are today for various other technology adoptions that have happened in the medical space we still want to see a general practitioner and be told and we want them to read the results to us and there is that human interaction that's Mm. required yeah alfie robertson thank you for coming on the pocket my friend um the first episode thank you everyone for tuning in if you made it to the end i cannot thank you enough what a guest to start things if you are new here which would be absolutely every one of you Drop us a follow with whatever platform you're watching this on. It'll be greatly appreciated. Um, There's going to be more episodes every single week. So thank you all so much. Thanks, Alfie. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.